George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. and a DLF family of podcasts. I am John, the one-man wolf pack hogue, and this is a Super Flex Super Show. Two teams on by, two star quarterbacks on by, and two star co-hosts on by. Quick shout-out to my boys, James Brain and Travis Beard as they're going through some, some ish this week. Um, thoughts and prayers to both of you guys. So I'm doing a one-man show on the matchups for week six. We just had Thursday night football where if you had Drew Brees or Matthew Stafford on a bye this week, it's very possible that you were starting Eli Manning in one of their places, and now you're facing a huge hole. By the way, when the Manning brothers hit that cliff, hit the proverbial cliff, man, do they fall hard and crash and burn big time. Eli Manning looked absolutely terrible. Carson Wentz looked a little bit better. Still some, still some missed passes, still some, uh, some accuracy issues, but um, overall a very nice night for Carson Wentz. If you started him in a super flex league, you're looking good going into the weekend. If you started Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr., etc., you're uh, you're obviously going to be chasing some points this week. And one other quick note on that Thursday nighter: Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the NFL. You know how I know? Because when Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott have been in the exact same situation, that is a poor offensive line and an and a passing game with very little credibility, they came nowhere near what Saquon Barkley has been able to do and what he was able to do on in that Thursday night game in particular. He is just an amazing talent, very possibly the best overall football player in the entire NFL. But rather than continuing to heap praise on Saquon Barkley because he's getting plenty of that right now, Let's get to the matchups for this week, for week six, starting with the Steelers at the Bengals. And I'm actually going to give you, Travis actually wrote this up, so I'm just going to read this verbatim uh, because uh, I know that that's what he would want. And uh, especially considering there are likely going to be some digs at me in uh, several of his write-ups. So this is one of Travis's. So let's get into this. The regular studs here are all must-start players every week. James Conner, Antonio Brown, 
Juju Smith-Schuster, they all get big fat green lights this week as well in a great matchup. And I even think Big Ben is a good start this week despite, oh my goodness, he's on the road. Oh no. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all, John. It does matter. It absolutely matters. Ben is terrible on the road. It matters. You gotta at least bump him down. Give him a yellow light. I'm trying to avoid him this week, if at all possible. It might not matter in a super flex because you might not have better options. But yeah, I am trying my best not to start Ben Roethlisberger. Back to Travis, though. This should be a pretty high-scoring game, and the Bengals have allowed the seventh most points to quarterbacks so far this season. Big Ben is a great start this week. The only real question here is Vance McDonald, and I think Vance McDonald is a green light this week despite having his worst game of the year last week with just one catch for six yards. Just because a player had a bad week last week, that alone should not be a reason for us to not consider starting them again this week. Vance still leads the Steelers' tight ends in targets, and there are going to be games where he simply isn't involved because the game plan and matchups with the other weapons dictate the targets go that direction. This week, though, the Steelers are playing the Bengals on the road, and the Bengals, in addition to having an offense that is pretty on fire this season and pulling up points and putting up points and putting up points, creating a setting for a shootout to occur, the Bengals have allowed the ninth most points to opposing tight ends on the season while being top half against wide receivers, which points to a good chance that Vance McDonald will be more involved this week in a game that, like I said, has potential for a lot of points to be scored. Andy Dalton is coming off his worst game of the season last week as well against Miami after he started off super hot and threw for multiple touchdowns in every game and averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. He's got the best weapons around him this season that he's had in years, and this week the Bengals are at home at a potential shootout against the Steelers, who have allowed the second most points to opposing quarterbacks through five weeks. Don't be afraid to roll Dalton out there again this week. I'm going to reinforce that a little bit and say that I've got Andy Dalton as a top eight fantasy play this week, so you can start him with absolute confidence in a super flex league. Joe Mixon and A.J. Green are must starts each and every week. Big, huge, fat green lights for them as well. Tyler Boyd was pretty close to a must-start every week before his down game last week, but he's actually a green light for me this week as well. Tyler Boyd is facing off against the Steelers, and Pittsburgh has allowed the third most points to opposing wide receivers this season. Boyd was crazy productive for three weeks in a row, and now he's headed for a potential shootout in a fantastic matchup. It really should be a no-brainer here for Tyler Boyd, who no longer has a tight end of note or any real wide receivers to compete with for targets. C.J. Uzoma is the tight end to stream here if you're wanting to go that route, and he caught two passes for 43 yards last week, but he only saw two targets, which makes him a risky start. But the Steelers have allowed the second most points to opposing tight ends on the season, so the play is there on paper. Colts at the Jets. Andrew Luck is startable in Superflex, but... Not going to lie, it's a bad matchup. T.Y. Hilton is out, Jack Doyle is out, and Luck is left throwing to Eric Ebron in an all-star cast of nobodies. Well, 
take Ebron out of the equation a little bit because the Jets haven't allowed a tight end to catch more than two passes a season. So Lux weapons who will actually be open include Chester Rogers and Zach Paschal, and he'll work against the 13th best defense at limiting quarterback fantasy points. If Hilton makes a miraculous recovery and plays in this game, Luck gets a huge bump. But as of now, Luck is a mid-level super flex consideration, and I'd rather start Matt Ryan or Jameis Winston. As for the rest of the Colts, green light Naheem Hines, who will get plenty of targets in the passing game if you to get you RB, RB2 numbers. So start him over both the Jets running backs, LaShawn McCoy, and even David Johnson. Red light the rest of the backs, though, even though it's a good matchup. Marlon Mack returns from injury and just muddies the water for the early downs, guys. Let's bench them for the week and let them establish their roles. Ryan Grant is the only startable wide receiver, and he gets a yellow light on the verge of turning red. It's a good matchup for wide receivers against the 25th best defense versus wide receivers. But Luck likely spreads the ball around and limited opportunities to move the ball in the passing game. Grant is a flex at best, and I'd rather take a shot with Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Taylor Gabriel. Eric Ebron gets a startable yellow light. It's a really bad matchup for him, and he's a little banged up. But Luck has been fixated on Ebron, especially in the red zone, and especially without any other viable targets. Hilton and Doyle are very unlikely to play, which means Ebron gets all of Luck's attention again. He likely gets in the end zone. That's been his floor so far, which makes him a starter in any format with a starting tight end spot. Besides the obvious guys, Gronk, Kelsey, Ertz, Cook, I'll take Kittle, Graham, Najoku, and Uzoma or over Eric Ebron, and that's about it. On the Jets' side, after the Pets... After the Patriots threw all over them on Thursday night in Week 5, the Colts saw their pass defense plummet from top 10 against quarterbacks and second against wide receivers to 11th against wide receivers and 24th against quarterbacks. So it looks like a better matchup for Darnold than it really is. Don't be fooled, this Colts defense is good against the pass. And they have far more pride than the Denver defense that Darnold just dropped three touchdowns on. I'd rather start fellow rookie fellow rookies Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. I'd rather start Case Keenum or Derek Carr. And I'd even start another position at Superflex to make sure I get someone like Kiki QT or Mohamed Sanu in my lineup. Yellow light on Isaiah Crowell because he's still Isaiah Crowell. And now he's Isaiah Crowell coming off the best game of his career in his absolute zenith. It's not going to happen again. Green light on Bilal Powell, though. He's actually out-touching Crowell in both carries and catches, and the red zone work is an equal split. When Crowell isn't breaking off long runs against an apathetic defense, Powell routinely outperforms him. I'll also take Powell over LaShawn McCoy and Deion Lewis and just slightly prefer Hines to Powell. Red light Quincy Inunua as he sees a lot of Pierre Desir Pro Football Focus is 17th cornerback who takes away the quarterback's drop back view side of the field, which is where Inunua generally operates. Yellow light on Robbie Anderson. He gets the softest coverage again, but Darnold's struggles becomes a, become the wide receiver struggles. He's still worth a flex start over Josh Gordon, Mike Williams, Carlos Hyde, 
and Jordan Howard. Chargers at the Browns. Phillip Rivers is a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup overall against the sixth best defense against quarterbacks on the road where Cleveland is actually undefeated, if you can believe that. But the Browns don't match up real well with the Chargers. For one thing, slot receivers have been effective against Cleveland, and pass-catching running backs also get to them. Rivers has some of the best in the game at those positions in Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, and Austin Eckler, which gets him into QB1 territory. I'd rather start Jameis Winston or Kirk Cousins, but I'll take Rivers over Ben Roethlisberger or Deshaun Watson. Green light for Keenan Allen, even though he's gone four straight games without 100 yards or a touchdown, this is the game for Rivers to lean on him, making him a top 10 wide receiver this week. Green light Melvin Gordon, he's top five this week against a Cleveland defense that gives up the 12th most fantasy points to running backs. And green light Austin Eckler is a running back too due to the opportunity for receptions out of the backfield. Mike Williams gets a yellow light though. He's a low-end flex play as he likely sees a lot of Denzel Ward. So I'd rather start Kiki QT or Taylor Gabriel. On the brown side, yellow light for Baker Mayfield, but only because we haven't truly seen it yet from him. He's absolutely startable at Superflex, at home in a good matchup. The Chargers are struggling to generate a pass rush without Joey Bosa, and they're giving up the ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks because of it. This could absolutely be breakout week for Baker Mayfield, but guys like Andrew Luck and Joe Flacco are just a little safer. Yellow light Carlos Hyde, partly because the Chargers are 12th best against running backs, and partly because Hyde has a very deceptive stat line so far this season. In fact, going back to the last four games of last season, Hyde is averaging a touchdown a game. He has only passed 100 yards once this season, and he's averaging just 3.5 yards per carry. I'll start him as an RB2 over guys like Eckler and Jordan Howard, but I'd prefer Marshawn Lynch, Chris Carson, and TJ Yeldon this week. Yellow light on Jarvis Landry. He's the most startable Browns wide receiver as a high-end wide receiver too, and there's no reason to doubt the volume he's been getting is still going to be there again this week, but the fact that you can't project him for a touchdown, he's only scored one all season so far, limits his upside. I'm still starting him over Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders since he'll see softer coverage. Red light on both Antonio Callaway and Richard Higgins as they continuously fail to separate from one another as the wide receiver too. And green light David Njoku. As we get closer and closer to his full-on breakout, Mayfield is locked in on him and the Chargers gave up 120 yards to George Kittle, a comparable tight end in a comparable role. Njoku is a borderline top five tight end for me. I'll still take Ebron and Jared Cook over him for their safer floors, though, dropping him to the 6 or 7 range. Cardinals at the Vikings. This is another Travis one. As you can tell by the way he starts this one, John, maybe you should have taken the Cardinals this week as the newly self-proclaimed Josh Rosen truther. What did you say last week? Rookie of the year? Something ridiculous like that? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I said on the, on the waiver show earlier in the week. I called Josh Rosen the rookie of the year this season, and I'm standing by it. I know the stat line doesn't show it just yet, but Josh Rosen is making some unbelievable throws. And uh, yeah, I, I view him as the most polished and the most daring quarterback out of this draft class. 
And uh, yeah, I, I'll take Josh Rosen as the rookie of the year as as long as he continues to improve on what he's already done. Anyways, back to Travis. I just don't see it, man. <laughs> I know you don't. I'm stoked the Cardinals have him for the future of the team, and the offense is definitely better with Rosen than with Bradford. No doubt about that. But I definitely don't see rookie of the year in the cards for him. And I don't see how we can consider him as a fantasy starter yet unless you're desperate in Superflex. He has started two games for the Cardinals, and in those games he was quarterback 23 in Week 4, where he threw for 180 yards and a touchdown, and quarterback 27 in Week 5, in which he threw for 170 yards and a touchdown. Oh, and he completed 40% of his passes last week. The Vikings have been surprisingly poor against quarterbacks and passing games in general this season, so the defensive matchup is there on paper but he's also a 10.5-point underdog on the road, and the Cardinals' implied team total is 16.25 points. He gets a red light from me this week, man. I'm actually starting him in one league where my other QB2 is Dak against the Jags, so I get being in a desperate situation, but outside of that, I'm trying to find a way to keep him out of my lineup, not get him in there. I agree with that to an extent. I do think that he's startable. Um, beyond just those really low-end guys, um, this uh, this Vikings defense has not been the same uh, in uh, it, so far this season. You can throw on them, and not only that, they could also create a very positive game script for the passing game here. So I like Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is a low-end quarterback too, personally. David Johnson is still, believe it or not, a must-start player at this point, despite his rough start to the season. This is not a good matchup on paper, as the Vikings have allowed the ninth-fewest fantasy points to running backs this season, and the Cardinals will likely be trailing, and we've still yet to see Mike McCoy get DJ involved in the passing game to make us think he won't get game-scripted out some towards the end of the game. But since Josh Rosen has taken over at quarterback, David Johnson has seen 25 and 20 touches in weeks 4 and 5 respectively, and he's RB15 on the season. I don't see having two or three better options than DJ, so he gets a green light. I actually disagree with that one. I think that it's very easy to have better options, considering I would take guys like TJ Yeldon and Tevin Coleman and Philip Lindsay guys who could easily, Austin Eckler, all guys who could easily end up on your roster, even if you have David Johnson. Larry Fitzgerald, nope, can't do it. Not until we see him healthy and have a good game. Red light, agreed. And Christian Kirk, if I had to start a Cardinals wide receiver, it would be Kirk over Larry Fitzgerald, as crazy as that sounds. I honestly don't know who Xavier Rhodes is most likely to be on in this game, though. Maybe you could shed some light on that. So the most likely scenario is that Xavier Rhodes plays sides. Um, He is the type of shutdown corner who would normally shadow a number one wide receiver. But with the way the Cardinals move their wide receivers around the formation, um, with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk both moving in and out of the slot, where Xavier Rhodes does not move into the slot. He'll likely play uh, whichever outside receiver um, is not in the slot at the time, or whichever wide receiver is on the outside and not in the slot at the time. Chad Williams isn't startable by any means, but it is worth noting that he led the team in targets last week with six, 
So he's no longer a drop candidate in Dynasty, at least for right now. Ricky Seals-Jones, I'm getting pretty tired of recommending RSJ as a possible tight end streamer and having him do absolutely nothing, and I'm not exaggerating on that. He literally didn't catch any of his six targets last week, so I'm not going to recommend him as a streamer this week, but what I will say is that six targets is nothing to scoff at at the tight end position, and he's playing the Vikings, who have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season, and the Cardinals should be trailing so they should have to keep throwing all game. RSJ gets a yellow light from me this week. Start him if you want, but I can't keep recommending him as a start. For the Vikings, Kirk Cousins must start every single week, and especially so in Superflex. Don't really need to spend any time explaining why that is. He's quarterback 7 on the season, and the Cardinals are a good matchup. Dalvin Cook, as of right now, it looks like Dalvin like his status for week six could still go either way. He was practicing this week in a limited fashion, but is clearly still nursing that hamstring injury and could still be ruled out. Even if he suits up this week, though, I don't see how we can start him in his first game back, especially after we saw him in his first game back a couple weeks ago, in which he touched the ball 10 times total before re-aggravating the hamstring injury. It's just not worth the risk. Let's see it once before we throw him back out there. Red light this week for Dalvin Cook, even if he's active. If he sits, we already have a two-game sample size that shows us that none of these other running backs can be trusted in our lineups. Latavius Murray would still be the favorite here if you're desperate, but he's been pretty bad in his opportunities and isn't seeing enough work, even with Dalvin out, to produce much for us. The only saving grace and potential reason to consider Murray if Cook sits is the likelihood that the Vikings will be sitting on a big lead for the second half of this game, which could lead to Murray getting a lot of grind-the-clock-out work. But even then, we've seen them work in two other, three other running backs in those situations too. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are always must-start players every week. Huge, ginormous green light for both of these two. I actually agree, disagree with this one. Um, Stephon Diggs is going to be a yellow light for me. Um, I'm bumping him down to wide receiver two range just because I think that he sees a lot of Patrick Peterson. Adam Thielen avoids Peterson for the most part because he mostly operates out of the slot, but Stephon Diggs could see some pretty tough coverage this week. Kyle Rudolph has been solid, even if unspectacular. He's currently tight end six on the season, so I get that it may be hard for you to bench Rudolph with the tight end position the way it is right now for fantasy, but Rudolph isn't in a good spot for this week. And if you happen to be one of the few teams with more than one good tight end, opt for the other one this week. Rudolph is an ancillary weapon in this Vikings offense. He's not a focal point. Meanwhile, they won't force or even slant production his way over other options. And this week, the Vikings are facing the Arizona Cardinals, who are a top-half defense against opposing tight ends on the season and who are seventh against tight ends over the last two weeks. On top of all that, though, the Cardinals likely won't be able to keep up with the Vikings on the scoreboard, and passing opportunities will likely be below average for the Vikings this week. I just think there's a good chance that the Vikings won't need Rudolph this week.
But Sean McCoy gets a yellow light with a ton of trepidation. He's the only part of that offense with any credibility whatsoever, but he goes up against a defense that has only allowed one rushing touchdown and just held Ezekiel Elliott to 3.1 yards per carry. He's a low-end flex play, and I'd prefer Ito Smith or Naheem Hines, as well as pretty much any wide receiver with a starting grade in PPR. Everyone else gets a red light, including Josh Allen. I'd rather start LaShawn McCoy as Superflex than Josh Allen. On the Texans' side, Buffalo's defense is no joke. They're 10th against quarterbacks and 4th against wide receivers. After getting torched in Weeks 1 and 2, they've only allowed two touchdown passes in the last three weeks total against Minnesota, Green Bay, and Tennessee. So some high-powered offenses there that they've shut down. Watson has one of the best receiving cores in the game, though, and he's mobile again. I'm cautiously optimistic that he's on the verge of returning to his 2017 form, but for now, let's call him a high-end quarterback, too, and start him over the obvious guys, Flacco, Keenum, Mayfield, etc., but sit him in favor of guys like Phillip Rivers and Jameis Winston. I have zero interest in the running backs, red light them all, Lamar Miller likely plays, and the only hope for Alfred Blue was if he gets the backfield to himself. DeAndre Hopkins isn't the normal top three play that he usually is as he draws Tredavious White, but he's still a green light and a top eight wide receiver and a must start. Will Fuller gets a yellow light. He's a low-end wide receiver too as he nurses a hamstring injury and gives up work to the rookie Kiki QT. And though I'd start him over QT, I'd still prefer Demarius Thomas and Mohamed Sanu. QT is a relative green light as a flex consideration. He's still flex-worthy based on his 11 targets per game average. I'd start him over Allen Robinson and Deshaun Jackson, among others. The Seahawks at the Raiders. Russell Wilson, not quite a must-start, but awfully close. The Seahawks are riding Wilson's arm right now, and the Raiders have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in all but one game this season. Doug Baldwin is inching closer and closer to 100% health, and Tyler Lockett is a nightmare matchup for the slow Oakland secondary. Russ is a QB1 this week ahead of Goff and ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. The only way he's on the bench is if you have a combo of must-starts like Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, probably Kirk Cousins, and possibly Pat Mahomes. The rest of the Seahawks... Greenlight Tyler Lockett. He's a mid-wide receiver, too, over Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller. Ideally, you can give Baldwin another week to prove that he's healthy, but we'll give him a yellow light if you need him in a pinch, since he's better than anything you're going to find on waivers. Just lower expectations. Green light on Chris Carson. The Raiders are allowing the fourth-most fantasy points to running backs, and Carson is the workhorse. Mike Davis, though, is also getting work particularly in a red zone, so he deserves a yellow light as a strong flex option at the minimum. I'll take Carson over Philip Lindsay, Carlos Hyde, and Jordan Howard, and Davis over Deion Lewis, Lamar Miller, and Alex Collins, but there aren't many wide receivers I'd start Davis over in PPR. Just super deep guys at the end of your bench. For Derek Carr, it's not a terrible matchup for quarterbacks, certainly not like it used to be, The Seahawks are 19th against quarterbacks and 26th against wide receivers in terms of fantasy points allowed. They're only slightly better against tight ends, 16th, so Carr even has access to his new favorite target, Jared Cook. 
This just isn't a very good passing offense. It, la- it lacks creativity, and Carr has been particularly uninspiring. He's still a quarterback too this week, but a fairly low-end option at Superflex. I'd start him over Alex Smith or Blake Bortles, but I'd rather try my hand with Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield just on expected opportunity. And as far as the rest of the Raiders, it's Amari Cooper week. It's impossible to give Cooper a green light when we know he has no floor, as evidenced by his one catch, 13 yards average in three of his five games this season. The other two games, he was amazing. And that's what I'm expecting here against the sixth worst defense against wide receivers. But the mere fact that he's equally capable of zero fantasy points is 20 fantasy points makes him a yellow light. I'm starting him over Josh Gordon, Cooper Cup if he plays, and Robbie Anderson. And I'm giving him a bump if you started Odell Beckham or Sterling Shepard and you're in a hole and need upside. Jared Cook is a must-start green light unless you have Kelsey or Gronk. Marshawn Lynch also gets a green light against the fourth-worst defense against running backs. Without Saquon Barkley in the mix now that he's already played his game, Lynch becomes a top-10 running back for the week ahead of Phillip Lindsay and James White. Sony Michelle is the only guy who isn't obvious who I would start over Lynch. Buccaneers at the Falcons, and Travis is on this one too. Jameis Winston was not good against Chicago in Week 4, but... Coming out of the bye week, Winston and his awesome pass-catching weapons are playing Atlanta, who has just been demolished by opposing quarterbacks this season, allowing the fourth-most points to quarterbacks on the year, including big games to Andy Dalton and Cam Newton. Winston is a risk-taker, and he'll have some some interceptions, but he's not afraid to take shots or go for the big play, and he should be able to do some work against a banged-up Atlanta defense. He's a strong start this week despite being a a three-and-a-half road underdog. All the main offensive skill position players for the Bucs are strong starts this week except for Ronald Jones. Mike Evans is a must-start and gets a big, obese green light. Deshaun Jackson is a strong flex play in a plus matchup with high scoring expected, and he gets a yellow light. And Cameron Brait, I think, is a strong streamer right away in Jameis Winston's first game as a starter. O.J. Howard is out, and we've seen enough produ- production from Brait with Winston under center in the past that I'm comfortable throwing him out there immediately. He gets a green light this week, but I'd say it's more of a skinny green light and not necessarily a big fat one. Ronald Jones should come into week six as a starter for the Bucks, finally, and he should get a shot here, but no way he should be sniffing your lineups after the, his start to the season and after his unproductive play last time he played and after the Bucks' complete lack of ability to have anything close to success on the ground. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan is a must-start as must-starts get this week. He's a must-start every week this season with the way he's been playing, but especially this week against the worst defense in the league in a high-scoring affair. He's got QB1 overall in his potential outcomes this week. And in fact, let's go out on a limb here. Let's, Since Travis and I clearly agree on this, let's just call Matt Ryan the, the quarterback one overall this week. He's the start of the week. He's the guy who trumps absolutely everybody else uh, who, could, uh, who could play for you in the quarterback position. Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, this is a sketchy situation for both of these guys after what we saw last week. 
Freeman looked like the front runner to start the game, but the game script last week against Pittsburgh went wonky on the Falcons, and both Freeman and Coleman were essentially game scripted out of the game as the Falcons tried to come back from three scores down. Freeman ended up with eight carries and two targets, and Coleman ended up with seven carries and two targets. It's a plus matchup all around for this team, though, including the running backs, and the sheer amount of points that could be scored in this one make Freeman a solid running back to start as I expect him to be the 1A here at a minimum. So he still gets a green light, but it's an RB2 green light. So it's like an army green color. And Tevin Coleman is upside flex play, who gets a yellow light. Just to update this a little bit, because this was written several days ago, it sounds like Devonta Freeman misses this game, which uh, upgrades Tevin Coleman, for me, to a high-end running back one. Uh, He gets a combination of Devontae Freeman's army green and his own yellow uh, to turn it full-on green. He's an RB1, and Ito Smith actually becomes a flex play as well, or a desperation RB2, RB3. Julio Jones doesn't even need to be talked about here. He's an elite starter every week despite his up-and-down games. Calvin Ridley had a a down game last week compared to what he's been producing for us, but he should be right back in your lineups and gets a green, neon green light this week in his glorious matchup. He's still playing limited snaps, and he has Mohamed Sanu and Austin Hooper competing for targets, but I don't see how we can bench Ridley this week. Mohamed Sanu has had two good games in a row, but he's had big games in the past, and I've never... I've never bought in, and that's always worked out great. I don't think he's going to continue to put up big numbers and be a weekly starter for us by any means. That said, this week, in this matchup, he's a solid flex play for sure. Yellow light for Sanu. Austin Hooper has seen 15 total targets on the season through four whole games coming into week five, and in week five he saw 12 freaking targets. This is insane volume and was likely just a game-specific, opponent-specific plan, but he's in another fantastic spot this week, so the matchup, combined with the fact that double-digit targets is even a small possibility for Hooper, makes him a solid tight end streamer again this week. The Bears at the Dolphins. Mitchell Trubisky, bad, bad matchup against the second-best defense versus quarterbacks. Brady is the only quarterback to throw multiple touchdowns against the Dolphins, and let's be honest here, Trubisky is no Brady. The Dolphins bend but don't break, so there's an opportunity to gain yardage with enough attempts, but the low ceiling makes him a low-end quarterback too. Start him at a super flex over most position players, but Carr, Keenum, and Mayfield are better starting options. I'll give Trubisky a slight edge over Alex Smith and Sam Darnold. Tariq Cohen gets the only green light as a high-end running back, too. Miami is fifth worst against running backs, and the previous backs that did the most damage were passing, were pass-catching backs Jalen Richard, Bilal Powell, and James White. Plus, Tariq Cohen is just the more effective back in Mac, Matt Nagy's offense right now. Start him over teammate Jordan Howard and over Carlos Hyde and Isaiah Crowell. Yellow light Jordan Howard, though. Who should, who should be a workhorse but can't seem to get Cohen off the field? Again, nice matchup, but there isn't enough volume for Howard to be any more than a mid-level RB2. I'm not interested in any of the Chicago wide receivers. 
Allen Robinson is the obvious option, but he matches up with shutdown corner Xavier Howard. Taylor Gabriel is a sneaky start against softer coverage in, in Torrey McTire. But there's still not much of a floor, even though his upside is substantial. Yellow light him as a mid-level flex play and fire him up if your normal flex guys are on by or have bad matchups. Trey Burton gets a yellow light as a top 10 tight end. The, the Dolphins are six best against tight ends without allowing a tight end touchdown, and Burton is getting points with low volume and splash plays. It's not bankable at all. It's hard to find a safer option outside the normal cast of fantasy starters, but Burton is certainly behind Kittle, Graham, Ebron, and Njoku, and I'd even prefer to take a shot with Austin Hooper and Cameron Brait in their shootout. For the Dolphins, pass on Ryan Tannehill this week. After starting the season with three straight multiple touchdown games and only two interceptions, he has thrown three interceptions, fumbled twice, and only thrown one touchdown pass in the last two weeks. Now he gets the fifth best pass defense against quarterbacks led by strip sack Khalil Mack. Nothing to like here. And I wouldn't even want to start him at Superflex unless I'm completely out of options. Zero points two weeks ago and seven points last week. You can find better upside from wide receivers like Christian Kirk and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. As for the rest of the Dolphins, this is the best defense against running backs in the league, and Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore are splitting touches right now down the middle. So just red light them both and find better, better options. Red light the wide receivers too. Even though it's a good matchup, Albert Wilson is the most likely to get significant volume, but Danny Amendola vultures him, and Kenny Stills should be the big play guy, but Jakeem Grant vultures him. It's all too convoluted, and now there's less than 200 yards from Tannehill to go around. It's way too unstable. Mike Jasicki doesn't have other tight ends getting in the way, but he's still trying to cut out a piece of the same minuscule pie, so red light him too. The Panthers at the Redskins. This Washington defense has been deceptively good all year until the Monday nighter against New Orleans in Week 5, 15th against quarterbacks and tight ends, 16th against running backs, and 9th against wide receivers, and that's even after Drew Brees, Mark Ingram, and company made them look bad on Monday night. So it's not a good matchup for Cam Newton. On the other hand, Cam is a good matchup for isn't a good matchup for anyone. Plus, Washington has allowed multiple touchdown passes in each of the last three games. The wide receiver core is developing by the week. Greg Olson returns from injury, probably. And Cam is just a bad matchup for any defense with his rushing and passing abilities. He sneaks into my top five this week, meaning you likely don't have two better options in a Superflex league. Greenlight Christian McCaffrey, of course, because he's getting volume as a rusher and a receiver out of the backfield. Washington is good at defending both types of running backs, but the combination should mean RB1 numbers for McCaffrey. Yellow and red lights on everyone else, though. Devin Funchess draws Josh Norman, and that doesn't mean what it used to, but it's enough to compel Newton to look elsewhere. I'd call him a low-end wide receiver, too, this week, ahead of Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, but I'd rather take a shot with Mohamed Sanu or Tyler Lockett. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both getting involved, but cut into one another's workload, so red light both of them and find better options at flex. 
I'm also tempted to give Olsen a red light, but you might be hard-pressed to find a better option. I'd just prefer to give him a week to get healthy if possible and wait for a better matchup. Washington allows the fewest yards to tight ends. They're vulnerable in the red zone, but Olsen has three touchdowns in the last 24 months, counting the 2017 postseason. It's an average matchup against the 15th best defense against quarterbacks for Alex Smith, but he's the quarterback 24 for the season so far and hasn't hit 300 yards passing yet. He probably stays in that QB 24 range, making him just barely startable in Superflex. Sam Darnold is just as viable. C.J. Bathard actually has a better matchup and probably has better weapons, if we're being honest. And Derek Carr and Case Keenum are far better options. Yellow light on Adrian Peterson. The Panthers are middle of the road against running backs, but AP is playing hurt and could lose work just because they want to try and keep him healthy. He could also get game scripted out of this one if the Panthers build an early lead. So you could end up with 50 plus yards and a touchdown. You could also get 20 yards or less before he's on the bench. Chris Thompson's various ailments would make him a yellow light as well, but the combination of that and the fact that he just hasn't been very good lately makes him a red light for me. I'd rather start Edo Smith or Royce Freeman, and I'd take just about any wide receiver with a pulse over Thompson at flex in PPR. Paul Richardson is the only startable wide receiver, which is just kind of a blanket statement for Washington, not specific to this game. And even then, he's a low-end wide receiver four. So if you have a lot of starting wide receiver or flex positions, Richardson could be a consideration, but I'd still take the upside of guys like Christian Kirk and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Jordan Reed just misses tight end one status for me, so we'll give him a yellow light. He's Smith's most viable weapon, and the Panthers are allowing the ninth most fantasy points to tight ends. Reed's upside is just capped by Smith, Vernon Davis, and the overall philosophies and abilities of the Washington offense. The Jaguars at the Cowboys, another Travis matchup here. Blake Bortles has been a streaming recommendation for what seems like three or four weeks for me on this show now, and he's been solid as far as fantasy production goes, but I don't love him in this game at all. This is the lowest over-under of the week, and I agree with that. This game is going to be a lot of TJ Yeldon and Ezekiel Elliott, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if this game wasn't the shortest game of the weekend with all of the running that's going to be going on here. I just don't think either offense is going to get get very many opportunities in the passing game, and the Jaguars are definitely not going to be trailing against the Cowboys. So we won't even get garbage time production out of Bortles. TJ Yeldon might not seem like May not seem like it at the surface, but he's a must-start player every week until Leonard Fournette comes back. Yeldon is RB8 on the season right now and has scored over 15 fantasy points in four of five games and has 23 or more points in the last two weeks. The receivers for the Jaguars, on top of being a complete lottery ticket play every week, it's anyone's guess as to which wide receiver will be the most productive week-to-week. On top of that normal situation here, there's also the chance that it could be none of them this week in this matchup. There's a decent chance they're not going to need any of them. So all three of Dante Moncrief, Dede Westbrook, and Keelan Cole are all still in the flex consideration, but they all get burnt orange lights. 
somewhere in between yellow and red, and I'd I'd be trying to go elsewhere for my flex this week if I could. Niles Paul is interesting after seeing nine targets last week, but he's a wait-and-see guy. Red light for Niles Paul until we see more than a one-game sample size. For the Cowboys, bench them all this week, and most weeks, but especially this week. Except Ezekiel Elliott, of course. Even though, even against a tough defense, Zeke is still a must-start player. We can't bench that volume. Green light always for Zeke. There's actually another Cowboy worth considering as a starter for us this week, and that's Jeff Swaim. This is a deeper tight end streamer for those of you who are struggling at the tight end position, and Jeff Swaim still hasn't had a fantastic fantasy week this season, but he's still the tight end one for the Cowboys and has over eight fantasy points in three straight weeks, which isn't great, but he's also seen 15 targets over that time frame, showing us that he's involved in the offense on a consistent basis, and this week... The Cowboys are facing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have allowed the, fan- the fewest fantasy points in the league to both the quarterback and wide receiver positions, while ranking 10th against opposing tight ends, which isn't necessarily a plus matchup, but what that tells us is that the Cowboys' passing game, as far as Dak and the receivers, who already stink, are going to be completely useless. And the tight end may just be the way to move the ball against the Jags. I think week six for the Cowboys is going to be all Ezekiel Elliott with just enough Jeff Swaim to make him usable. Jeff Swaim gets a yellow light in deeper leagues and an orange light in regular 12-team leagues or leagues with short benches. The Ravens at the Titans on Sunday afternoon. Joe Flacco. The only thing keeping Joe Flacco out of the top 10 are all the other great matchups for quarterbacks this week. The Titans shut down below-average quarterbacks Josh Allen and Blake Bortles, but Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz both threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, which is close to Flacco's per-game averages this season. Flacco easily gets to 250-275 and two touchdowns this week, making him a solid Superflex start. I'll take him over riskier guys like Derek Carr, Case Keenum, and Baker Mayfield, but it's not quite enough upside to start him over safe guys like Andrew Luck and Jared Goff, or guys in good matchups like Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Yellow light on Buck Allen is a flex play. Red light on Alex Collins altogether. The Titans are fourth best against running backs and and force teams to throw on their middle-of-the-road pass defense. That means the game script favors Allen, who is already splitting early down carries with Collins. Start Allen over Deion Lewis and Chris Thompson and find a better option than Collins. Green light John Brown is a wide receiver too. Tennessee is okay going against wide receivers, but they've given up big games to speed guys Kenny Stills and Will Fuller. Brown is the same type of player, but even more dynamic, and the Ravens are more committed to getting him the ball than those other respective teams. I'll take Brown over either of the Broncos' wide receivers, Stephon Diggs and Will Fuller. Red light on Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed, though, as they continue to fight over Brown's scraps. Hayden Hurst is a great stash at tight end, but red light him this week against the number one defense against tight ends. It would be great if this turns into a shootout, but the most likely scenario is Baltimore wins a low-scoring affair and Marcus Mariota does next to nothing for you. The Ravens are allowing the third-fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, and Mariota is currently ranked quarterback 30. Those two ingredients don't leave you with anything that tastes good. 
I'm benching in Mariota if I can find any other options, including C.J. Bethard and Blake Bortles, and I'll start most wide receivers with any kind of upside over him in PPR Superflex. The Ravens are even better against running backs, so there isn't much here to like for the Titans. Deion Lewis can have a yellow light as a, as a low-end running back three flex option because the Titans will move the ball a little, and he's the most likely candidate to make any kind of progress. Buck Allen, Ito Smith, and Mike Davis all get to start over him, though, with more, vo with more volume and higher floors. Red light Derrick Henry as his role diminishes, though, in a tough matchup with volume. And Corey Davis gets the only yellow light among pass catchers is Mariota's top option. He's a little safer than Doug Baldwin and Allen Robinson, but I can't go much higher than a low-end wide receiver three or flex behind guys like Kiki QT, Robbie Anderson, and Taylor Gabriel. The Rams at the Broncos. There are two unique variables in this game for Jared Goff that could completely sink him. First, Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup are still in the concussion protocol. As good as Goff has been, you can't expect, expect much from him if both of his top two wide receivers are out. Second, the temperature at game time is expected to be in the mid-20s with several inches of snow on the ground. That sucks bad enough for me, being here in Denver, but an L.A. quarterback who's used to playing in tropical conditions with full feeling in his fingers could be in for a rough day. I'm far more concerned about the injured receivers, though, and if they play, Goff is a top 10 fantasy quarterback. If they both miss the game, I'll down downgrade him to a low-end quarterback, too, but still start him at Superflex. And if only one of them play, let's hope it's Cooks, so he can take advantage of the same matchup Robbie Anderson got last week. If Cooks goes, he's a bright green light, even in the snow, top 10 easy over guys like Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill. Robert Woods gets a green light either way with a borderline wide receiver one floor, but if Cook sits, you can elevate Woods well into the top 10 and even into the top 7. Cooper Cup gets a red light if he plays, though. He would match up with Chris Harris, who has allowed just 22 receiving yards and no touchdowns so far this season. And if Cook sits, Josh Reynolds gets a yellow light as a sneaky flex play. Green light Todd Gurley, of course. This Denver defense allowed Isaiah Crowell to rush for 219 yards and a long touchdown last week. And Gurley is in a different stratosphere from Crowell. They'll also lean on him if either of or both of those wide receivers miss the game. And they'll lean on him in the snow. Either way, lots of volume coming for Gurley. You probably have better options at tight end than Gerald Everett, but he gets a yellow light against the defense giving up the third most fantasy points to tight ends, making him a great streaming option. For the Broncos, Case Keenum really not a bad start here, even though the Rams are top 10 against quarterbacks. Aqib Tlaib is still out, and the, the Rams offense can force any quarterback into a positive game script. On top of all that, just call it a hunch, but I think the Broncos play the Rams close. I'm not enough of a homer to call for the upset, but I think this could turn into a mini shootout. Keenum becomes a high-end quarterback, too, with 300-yard and three-touchdown potential as he tries to keep up with Sean McVay's offense. I'm starting Keenum over guys like Derek Carr and Mitchell Trubisky, and I'd actually take him over Baker, Baker Mayfield, too. 
Emmanuel Sanders draws Marcus Peters in coverage, so yellow light on him and downgrade him to flex territory. Demarius Thomas would normally get a keep Tlaib, but Tlaib, but with Tlaib out with an injury, Thomas gets to work against the same secondary that allowed David Moore and Aldrick Robinson to score. Thomas becomes a low-end wide receiver too, so green light him if your other options are guys like John Brown and Julian Edelman, because Thomas is just as safe with a slightly higher ceiling. Cortland Sutton also gets a green light as a flex option after getting targeted in the end zone in every game. He finally scored in his first his first NFL touchdown in week five, and he has the opportunity to do it again this week in a great matchup. Green light Phillip Lindsay. He's an RB1 against the same defense that allowed Seattle backs to combine for 184 rushing yards last week. The cold weather creates a positive game script for running backs, at least until the Rams offense breaks through. And even then, Lindsay stays active in the passing game. Plenty of opportunities for him. Royce Freeman can have a yellow light as a low-end flex play. He's the goal line and short yardage back, so getting in the end zone is a likelihood if this does turn into a touchdown party. Red light to tight ends. The Broncos just don't use them enough. The Sunday Nighter. This is one more from Travis. One last one from Travis this week. Chiefs at the Patriots on Sunday night. I cheated a little bit and assigned this game to myself um, before the other two guys could get to it. And uh, this one is as easy as it gets. Start them all. Pat Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, all must starts this week. All big, huge, flabby green lights. Tom Brady, Sony Michelle, James White, Rob Gronkowski, and Julian Edelman should all be in lineups as well, with Michelle and Edelman being the only two with slightly less green lights. I could see the game going in a way where those two guys are a tiny bit riskier than any, than everybody else in this game. I still don't like the idea of starting Josh Gordon at all. The volume just isn't there for him. And again, despite the fact that he caught a touchdown last week, he still only saw two targets. It's essentially the same thing as starting Aldrick Robinson at this point. But if you are absolutely desperate at wide receiver, this is a matchup to take a risk on on him for some possible upside if the Patriots decide this is the game to get him more involved. But he could end up with one catch for 13 yards or something as well. Burnt orange light for Josh Gordon. Agreed there. Absolutely agreed on most of this. I will say I'm not a huge fan of Sammy Watkins this week. I'd put him in wide, re- wide receiver two range. And I love Sony Michelle this week. I think that he is a top five play. So uh, I would definitely agree that you need to find a way to get Sony Michelle into your lineups, um, but I don't I don't view it nearly as risky as Travis does. If only he was here to uh, to debate this with me. One last matchup: the 49ers at the Packers. It's not a great matchup, anyways, for C.J. Bethard against the 12th best defense against quarterbacks. But the bigger concern is a complete lack of healthy weapons. Dante Pettis is out. Marquise Goodwin is out. Pierre Garçon or Marquise Goodwin not necessarily out yet. Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon are definitely both banged up. And the best pass-catching running back, Matt Breda, is doubtful. Bethard is startable as a super flex, but there are about 25 better options. Start him over Blake Bortles and Ryan Tannehill, though. 
Matt Breda is doubtful, and with the game on Monday night, you have to proceed as if he's out unless you have Alfred Morris or Aaron Jones. So as a practical matter, let's red light him. Morris gets a yellow light as a low-end RB2. It's a middle-of-the-road matchup, and Morris gets the entire workload, assuming Breda misses the game. But the running back, but the running game could get game scripted out early. If he gets to 19 carries, he could he should surpass 100 yards though. Red light on all the wide receivers since they're all beat up and the matchup is just okay. Trent Taylor gets a yellow light though and becomes a flex sleeper if either Goodwin or Garcon misses this game. Green light for George Kittle is a top five tight end this week in a great matchup where he's Bethard's favorite target. I'll actually start him over Jared Cook and David Njoku, and I'll go so far as to flip a coin between him and Rob Gronkowski. On the Packers' side, Aaron Rodgers is finally healthy. It's an amazing matchup. He's a top-five start, and the only thing keeping me from making him the start of the week is the fact that Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb are still banged up. If they play, Rodgers is my pick for top fantasy scorer this week. Actually, I'll I'll still put Matt Ryan just ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but it's a close, close second for Aaron Rodgers here. Either way, he's a must start. Green light on on Devontae Adams. He's a top three wide receiver this week with no credible defenders to cover him. If If Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb do play, they both get yellow lights, only because their health is still a concern. But it's a juicy matchup, and they're both flex-worthy if they do go. If they don't go, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a green light as a flex and maybe even a low-end wide receiver, too, with those two guys out of the way. Green light on Jimmy Graham is a top-10 tight end. Yellow light on Aaron Jones and red light on the other running backs. Jones is clearly the best back, but it's hard to trust him as anything more than a flex play when you have no idea when or if he'll get on the field. Yellow light on his upside if he gets the volume, but he's still a flex play in a tough matchup. With that, I'll wrap it up for the week. Those are your week six matchups. And uh, as I wrap it up, I'm going to ask you for the same uh, quick favor that we ask for every episode. If you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and rate and review if you have that option as well. Those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach and grow our audience get out to more people, and really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And check out Travis's solo podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, three days a week, 30 minutes or less, and he's covering waivers and matchups and the news and injuries of the day everything that you need to prepare for the week you can send us your trades on twitter we're at superflex show and that way we can retweet them for you we can help you get more comments and votes and sometimes even analyze them right here on the podcast while you're at it make sure that you're following the the show at superflex show and follow travis he's at travis nfl james is at underscore james the brain i'm at superflex dude Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Good luck in week six, and until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Tell me.